Welcome. Good morning. Um, this morning we want to, uh, we just want to give a little church business. We want to, we just, before we start, we just want to talk with you guys a little bit. Um, as leaders of this church, I feel like we need to communicate certain things and to make some things clear and just so that everyone's on the same page. Amen? I think it's important that we're all on the same page. Um, so something happened this week, and we're just trying to process, process this whole thing. And I'm just going to say a couple statements that I'd like to open up with, okay? Can I do that for a second? Okay. Uh, here we go. These are yes statements. Number one, yes, someone in our congregation tested positive for COVID. Yes, this was not unexpected. Yes, we have continued to clean and sanitize the church. Yes, we have informed those people to stay home in quarantine. Yes, we encourage you to stay home if you're not feeling well. Yes, we will continue to have church, taking our current safety precautions that we've been doing from the beginning. Yes, Jesus is still on the throne, and our trust is completely in him. Yes, we will walk in faith and not fear. Yes, we believe in God's healing power to heal us from disease. And lastly, I just want to take a moment on this. Yes, if the fact that someone potentially close to us or that we know has tested positive for COVID and that makes you concerned or begins to reflect, I would suggest that we have to have what we'll call is a gut check. Because I can tell you this, guys. People are getting COVID, okay? When you go to Wegmans, there could be somebody standing right next to you at the meat counter that might have COVID. And I think it's a really bad assumption that we make that just because we come to church or just because we go to the store that everyone who is out there must not have COVID, because I can tell you there are people that are walking around out there that have COVID. My guess is from a percentage perspective, there are probably people in here who have already had it, didn't realize they had it and recovered. And so we need to, as, a, as, a, as an individual, you have to have a gut check and say, if I would make the assumption that someone who is within a couple feet from me, what if they did have COVID? Would I change what I'm doing? Would I, would I put my mask on? Would I distance more? For very times, very, very good reasons. That does not mean that you're in fear because you put a mask on. It means there is some protection that you would like to take for a variety of reasons. And I think, church, I think it would be silly for us to have an expectation that every person out there that we may come in contact with doesn't have COVID, okay? It's just it's not a realistic expectation that we should have. And I think from our perspective, from a leadership perspective, I just, we're challenging you. The guidelines we set up at the church aren't going to change. We've made every opportunity to come in, to safely distance. You can wear a mask. Like, all of that doesn't change. You have to have a gut check on yourself and just say, does that new piece of information, does it change the way I respond? If so, that's okay. Then change your response in that way. Throughout my walk, I've always been really aware through experience of when I'm trying 
to walk in faith in my actions, but there's not an, but what I'm believing isn't quite there yet. Um, so like I would try to not be in fear, but what was the truth? I really was in fear. <laughs> and I would, I would be trying not to be in fear and it wouldn't work. Like it's not working. I'm saying all the right things and I'm quoting all the right scriptures, but it's just not working. It's not working because my, what is my true belief? And so the information that you know, um, that someone in the congregation tested positive for COVID, that's a real good gut check in that are my actions where my beliefs are? And that's a really good conversation to have because you have to, you have to, you have to walk where your beliefs are. And it goes in with what you said last week. I believe it was last week, be where your feet are. Um, and then you can have an honest conversation with the Lord. If you don't like what you see, the beginning of COVID, I'll tell you what, I was shocked at how I responded. I was surprised <laughs> at the level of kind of anxiety that gripped me. Um, and I had to, I mean, I went to the Lord. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Okay, we need to, I, Lord, what do I need to do here? And honestly, I just got in the word and found the scripture. I had to see them and I had to know what I was, what I was really going to believe. And it took no time. It took like one day. It was over. I was not afraid. But it, was, it would have done me no good to act like I wasn't when I really was. There's no, there's no condemnation in the journey. <laughs> there's no condemnation in the growth. So, um, you know, if the response to someone next to you being COVID being like, oh, man, I'll pray for you, you know, is it, is it okay? I'm just going to pray for you right now. If that's, you know, if this guy here has COVID and that's your response, well, then you're probably, you know, not going to need to mask up but if it if it causes a little something then whatever get in prayer but let your actions line up with where your beliefs really are because your your faith doesn't grow by pretending your faith doesn't grow by pretending you you know aren't in fear but you really are your your faith grows and fear is defeated when you look at what is true what are, what are my true beliefs? And you take those before the Lord and you feed the word right there. And that, I think, we saw a little bit this week. You know, it, this is a really good opportunity to, to see right where you it are. Is. I think the other, it's just an opportunity to see what assumptions we've made. Assumptions we've made that, you know, that is this real, is it not real? Well, it's real. And so we have to make, take under consideration those assumptions. Now, I didn't tell you this up front, but the person, uh, and I can't give details, right? There's HIPAA laws and stuff, but I can tell you the person is totally fine. Okay, they're, you know, they're actually in the process of maybe testing again and seeing if they actually really have it. So I, I'm almost glad that, a, like, the situation, uh, of course, I'm not glad. You don't understand what I'm saying, that it gave us the ability to address and to encourage and for each of you to take a step back and reflect this is a, it's a real thing. How am I responding to it? And does it change how I'm responding, whether I'm at church or at work or at school or in the grocery store? Does it change how I'm responding? It's just a gut check. And it's just something that we're just encouraging you guys to do. Now, I have two slides up there. I'm not going to go through them. Jed, if you want to put them up. These are slides that are up on our website. And there's all the safety precautions, you know, that we're making. But I just think I want to reiterate If you are sick, immunocompromised, and we wrote elderly, and I love this because it's your personal definition of elderly, okay? I know 70 and 80-year-olds that are not elderly, okay? Not in any way, shape, or form, okay? So 
Again, this is, this is a choices that you have to make, that you have to look at. We are not going to dictate what has to happen in these four walls. We're, I mean, we're giving you opportunities, and you have to make your own choices. But if you're sick, please stay home, okay? That's just reasonable. You'd do it if you had the flu. I mean, just, that's just something reasonable to go do. And be respectful of those who are around you. Be respectful of those uh, who are in your midst. I think it's a wise thing to do. It's a loving thing to go do. Amen? Amen. Go ahead. You didn't read the last one because I like the last one. If you're anxious about the risk of infection, ah. we, that's okay. We love you. Can we love people who are anxious? Can we love people who are struggling in this time of, I mean, I hope so, because I've struggled through this time. It's crazy out there. The information that's coming, what's true, what's not, it is fear-mongering to the extreme. So if you're anxious about the risk of infection to the point where, you know, knowing that someone in the building had COVID makes you, you know, want to attack someone else, want to start blaming someone else, then stay home. Because... Not only are we not going to try to police everybody, we're putting it on you. You are responsible for your health. You are responsible to walk in truth, the truth of where you're at, spiritually, physically, and in every way. Therefore, if someone gets sick, you cannot point in any direction and blame someone else. That is being accountable. That is being grown up. So um, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So are we going to get up and do this speech every Sunday? Every time we hear or heard of someone who knows someone who knows somebody else who used to attend the church that they contracted COVID, am I going to get up and do an announcement every time? I am not. I am not going to make a public announcement every single time something happens. Guys, we live in a world where you're at risk when you drove here or whether you rode here and you didn't put a seatbelt on or you put a seatbelt on. People, Guys, there's risk out there. You have to understand that and we're not just going to get up every time and do this. But we felt this is a good opportunity to do it because someone in our church, actually really not potentially, had contracted it. So we just wanted to put it out there that make sure you know what your response is. But as a church, this is what we're doing. And we're going to continue down this path, and you have to make your own personal decisions. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, good. All right, let's get ready to worship. Can you stand with me? Goodness sakes, this was a, that was longer than I thought it would take. It's okay. We got a call to worship out of Psalm 146 this morning. Jake, thank you for continuing to, to roll in the background there with us. Appreciate it. And we just want to, we want to get that out of the way because we want to worship him. We want to praise him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior, our healer, our again coming King. Amen? The again coming King. He will. He will return. Amen? 146. Let's say it together. One, two, three. The happiness of those who help is the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Let's worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Stronger, the King of Glory, the King above. 
Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This goes along with what Andy had said. Um, as we were worshiping, the Lord just showed me that the beginning of everything, of every, of every heart is love. And if we can't receive the love of Christ, I, just, I believe that so many people have a receiving problem. I have a receiving problem, so I'm assuming y'all, everyone does. <laughs> I believe we all do. And I remember um, a lot of weeks ago, um, we had talked about, um, about wholeness. Jesus leads us into wholeness. And there cannot be wholeness. There can only be wholeness to the depth that we receive his love. And what I think is that so many of us, we come and we celebrate and we receive God's love, but only like from a certain level upward. And that level up is like where we are acceptable to ourselves. That's where we receive his love. In our victories, when we've got it all together, you know, men, when you're providing for your family, when your wife seems happy, when the kids are, seem to be doing well. But where he really wants to get is down in those depths where we hide the we, we hide things and um, hide pain and sorrow because we just so desperately want to stay up in the acceptable range where we are acceptable and we think that's where Jesus wants to meet us Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Jesus said as he was sitting and having dinner with, the, with tax collectors. He was having dinner with sinners. And the, the religious people came up and said, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so I encourage you this morning to understand in those areas of your life that you find yourself unacceptable, those are the very places that he wants to be with you in those places. Those moments that you want to hide and you're just like, oh, thank goodness that no one is seeing me like this. Those are the places that he loves you. He does not condemn you. Those are the, those are the areas that he wants to come in, wants to walk with you. So I encourage you today to go behind the shiny spots, the the areas, the ways we polish ourselves you know, for public view. (laughs) Let Jesus into the spaces we try to tuck away and we try to hide because that's where healing happens. That's where he wants to be. That's where he does this beautiful work. Two scriptures came to mind before we take communion here and we'll give some instructions here in a minute. You know, I read it last week. I read it last night. And I keep trying to move past the scripture in Romans, but I just can't seem to do it. 
I think he just wants us to sit here for a little bit as a church too. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That sin, that whatever it is in your life, these things, God wants to meet us right there, right where we're at. And this time of communion is a time where we can reflect on that. We can take a moment to repent of those things, and he will meet us right there. Say, well, who are we meeting with? John chapter 1 says this. Think about this. Who are we going to meet with? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was able to be made. In Him was life. In Him is life. And the life that was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we're going to take communion this morning, and we're going to remember what he has done for us. Not just his death, but his resurrection. That we are worshiping and coming before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that was here from the beginning of time. And Andy, I love what you said, just that picture of us worshiping with all the saints to the creator of the whole universe. Amen. So as you come to the tables to get your communion elements, it's two cups. The bottom cup has a cracker, and the top cup has the juice, so you only have to take one. Um, This center row is one way to the back. If you are in the back of these two sections, you're going to come to the center, go to the table, and then come down the side aisles, which are one way forward. The two side sections in these front, you may come to the side aisles and come forward and then circle back to your seats. And in this way, we'll receive the elements. Um, Once you get them, please hold them um, at your seat and we'll take communion together. Okay. Take a moment. Just reflecting on what he's done for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you so loved the world. That you gave your only begotten Son. Whosoever believe in him, shall not have perished, but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you. We thank you for everlasting life. We thank you for abundant life. Thank you for life eternal. Thank you we get to worship you. Bible says in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat. This 
is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread, drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We worship you today. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. Father, we submit completely and totally to you. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, stand with me. We got one more song to sing. Our time of worship's not quite over. Let's just sing one more song together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. As Andy was just leading us so beautifully into the presence of God, the Lord is speaking to me and he's saying, what natural disaster occurs that does not bring more life after it? And what a mess it makes as it rushes through. Have you ever seen a flood where the destruction isn't immense or as a wildfire burns? New life comes, and it burns away all the clutter. It burns away everything that wasn't producing, and the life that comes after is abundant. Is abundant. Hide not from the power and the love of God, for it will consume you like a fire. And you will cry out in sorrow and in pain. And you will say, my God, where are you? Have you left me? But I will not leave you, says the Lord, for I am in the fire. And I am burning away everything that keeps you locked into your pain, locked into your horror, locked into your sin. I am doing that work. Because I love you. I will not leave you. Says the Lord. Hide not yourself from me. Hide not yourself from me. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful mess. Beautiful mess. (laughs) He brings beauty from ashes. 
He makes clean that which is unclean. rest in his presence for about another minute or so. So he's working in your heart, in your life. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. I was talking to somebody this week. Father, we just thank you that even when we don't see it, you're working. And even when we don't feel it, you're working. So, Father, we thank you that you are working. You are working in our lives, even though it's not always the way we want it to happen or Expect it to happen, but you are working. You are transforming our hearts and our minds. And we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Give some instructions. Do you have your phone? No. Can one of you, Grace, can you bring me my phone? Please. Thank you. Like the one time I don't bring it up with me, I want it. Um, I'm not a super visual person. I struggle to see things. Like you have to draw me a picture. Um, and so I, I love people who are. They can see things before they're there. Um, Nikki, you know, when we were going to put a wall up in our house, I was like, well, I was just going to put it here. She was like, no, 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 you don't want it there. I was like, okay, tell me where I want it. And she, she knew right where to put it. So there was like a little bump out and it just made it a thousand times better. Um, Randy Ruth in the landscaping, he can see it. He gets excited. Man, I just love that guy. I love spending time with him because he just, he can see it and he can paint this picture. And I just am this person. I struggle to see some things differently than what I actually see. And um, as we walk out things with the Lord, he sees 
differently than what we see. And we see mess, our own mess. We see so vividly, so we know so clearly just our ugliness, the darkness, the sin, the, 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 the things in us. But when we invite him into those spaces, he sees beauty and he knows how to get us there. I think of Pastor Pam, um, and if you would take a walk with her around her property, she'll just point out things. She's a seer, man. She can see things, and she, she'll landscaping and, and gardening. She'll be like, oh, this is going to be this. Um, I mean, she builds things that she sees before they're there, and she can, she under, she can understand the process. And where you see a lump of nothing, that woman will take it and turn it into something, something kind of beautiful and creative and amazing. And I just think that's so like the Lord. Um, and because we're on a theme, the Holy Spirit's on a theme of natural disasters. This song was in my head, and I don't know if I like the song. I'm not saying I'm endorsing the song. The song is fine. It's called Fierce. Um, like a tidal wave crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here, your love is fierce. Like a hurricane that I can't escape, tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce. And my prayer this morning as we come out of worship is that the walls that we've built to keep ourselves safe, to keep other people out, to keep pain in, to keep you know, on the outside of the wall, we have the pretty, and on the inside, we have what we don't want out because we think it's not acceptable. We think, you know, my prayer is that the theme of today, that his love will come rushing in, that you will, you'll ask him to do that. He won't do it if you don't ask him. And it creates this beautiful mess. And then we wonder, that word that he gave, we wonder, have you left me? Am I now rejected? Am I now on the outs? Because everyone around me just seems like they've got all the truths. They know the word better than me. They can quote the word better. I mean, you, you, you see all the reasons why you might be rejected because you're in suffering or you're in tears, you're in mourning, you're in weeping. But really, God, is he's answering your prayer. If you've prayed for freedom, he's freeing the sorrow that you've buried away. The pain has to come out that we've buried away. So I just want, my prayer is that as we leave this time of worship, that you go out from this place and you consider that, that Jesus came for our brokenness. He didn't come for the ones who thought they had it all together, who, who were shiny on the outside. They're whitewashed tombs. He came for our brokenness. And that's where he wants to meet us. That's where he turns. That's where he turns us into who he knows us to be because he sees us better than we see us. Amen. Okay, amen. 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 Some instructions as we go into greeting time. Again, greet each other like the person may test positive for COVID in a day. I'm just saying. That was like, that's where we started. Let's just bring it back around. Unfortunately, I don't want to do that. But what I'm saying is just be in reality and then be where you're at in your faith. 
and respect everyone. Respect everyone, okay? And um, so let's greet each other in the Lord. If you have a child here, um, in we have uh, sermon bags full of fun things for them to do. Um, and those are available for kids. We have toddler bags all the way up through grade six. If you're an ECF regular attender, we have a bag with your name on it. The items in that bag are for you to play with and, and for your kids to use in service. At the end of service, the items go back in that bag and you hang it back up. Um, there's also sermon notes for the kids to fill in or color or draw, and those go home with you. If you're a guest, we have guest bags, and I will be back there. And that's and then, it. If you're offering today, again, we're not passing the buckets. Uh, so there are, will be two buckets up here during this greeting time. You're more than willing. You can come up here and put it in there, or you can put it in a box to the left of the door on the way out, okay? All right. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, church. Let's talk about some announcements before we get into the word. I'm excited. I'm always excited to hear the message that God has given um, and that Jason, Pastor Jason's going to bring. Um, I always get out my notebook because I, I have no idea. He does his thing, and I love it. Um, okay, a couple of announcements. The first one is um, Youth Night. Youth Night is August 16th at 6 p.m., uh, we'll be meeting down in the youth room. I will be feeding, not me personally, but we will be feeding the kids. Um, we usually have pizza and these little mini sandwiches that they all love. Um, this is like our third or fourth youth night, and it's a really good time. Um, we really have a good time down there. Um, we're, we hang out. This time we're going to do things like a little bit differently, and we're, we're going to um, just kind of get into smaller groups and learn about prayer and Bible study and the Word, and it's it's really going to be a good time. So I encourage you, if you are a youth or if you know a youth, come down, check it out, um, because we honestly, we have a really good time together. That's at 6 p.m. That same evening at 6.30, the Luciano group will be meeting here in the sanctuary. So you can come, drop off your youth, hang out, get some excellent, excellent teaching, and then it all both groups wrap up around 8 o'clock. So um, that is August 16th, which I believe is next Sunday. Is that next Sunday? Yeah, next Sunday. Um, we do have some new groups coming in the fall. Um, so my paper says stay tuned. There you go, stay tuned. Uh, we believe that groups are the future. That, um, you know, churches of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in the climate and what's coming, you know, where things aren't the way, they're, they're not going to be the way they've always been. And so being connected, intimately connected, and growing in God in small groups is, is going to move from a nice to-do to, to an essential, like an essential to-do. Um, so I encourage you to pray about your participation in groups um, and, and um, connecting in and meeting people and loving people and meeting each other's needs. So stay tuned. There are new groups coming in the fall. Um, Something else that we are doing is a Bible reading plan. Um, I kind of would like you to talk about this because this is, yeah, come on up. Because this is from your heart. Yeah, okay. So one of the things um, we just, I think I mentioned it last week. If you're here last week, I really feel like the Lord has just been pressing, impressing upon us that uh, our main responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. 
And part of that equipping is to challenge you to get into the Word of God and put some things out there. We were talking to a friend of ours, you know, all these apps and video games that you have, they all have different levels, and you pass a level, and you check it off, and it's what they call addicting, because you just keep wanting, you want to check the next box off, you want to get to the next level, you want to do the next thing, and so we as a church should have that same passion about going after the Word of God, and so I was thinking, like, what can we do for the rest of this year, what can we do for the rest of this year? Well, I opened up the Word for you today, and I don't have one with me, but the Word for you today, in the very back cover has a daily reading plan that lines up. If you read through that, you'll read through the Bible in a year. And so I was just like, well, let's start this in September. So I said, Sydney, I know she's on vacation today. Sydney, I said, why don't you go uh, and start making a bookmark out so we can start checking it off. And would you believe that on September 1st starts the New Testament? So what we are going to be challenged as a church to do, that between September, October, and November, three months, I am challenging myself and all of you to read through the New Testament on the Bible reading plan. So as that comes up, we'll have bookmarks available so you can get your fix on and be like, I read that today. Oh, I did that today. Now, we're saying this is not the only thing you should be doing. If God, you know, arrests a scripture at you and says, man, study this a little bit longer, read through the rest of your reading for the day and then go back uh, and do that again and just really continue to. So that's the challenge I have for you guys. Uh, What are we going to do in December? We're still going to figure it out in December. But those bookmarks will be coming available. You can start today. You don't have to wait till September. If you have the Word for You Today devotional, which are out in the lobby, you can open it up. And I think it's maybe Ezekiel. I think it's Daniel this week. You're finishing up the, the minor prophets in the Old Testament leading into the New Testament starting on September 1st. That's easy. September 1st through November, the New Testament. And we'll give you the plan on what it takes to read read through that. So um, stay up here because, uh, yeah. Yeah. okay. Um, what I love is one, we'll be reading together. So you're not, you know what I mean? We're not reading through it alone. We'll be reading it together as a church, um, which means if that's what you're reading is also going to feed into the message. Right. Um, so I love that. And for those of you who are more like me than like him, checks every box faithfully, consistently, more like me, what you do for those three or four days where you're behind and now you'll have to read for four hours to catch up and those little empty boxes are like condemning you, you just put a heart over the box and fill it in. So you didn't read it, so you don't get a check, but you get a heart. You get a heart because God God loves you you and and there's grace and the word is good. Every day you read it, it's good. You could just put all the hearts right before you even start And then just start reading through the New Testament, and maybe you'll be a little behind, a little ahead, whatever. So there's a lot of different ways to come in this, but it's always with grace. Um, Because, man, those little boxes, they just, oh. What I find interesting, or or, I didn't know, really, that you can read the Bible through in one year by taking 11 minutes a day to read the Bible. So I don't know if y'all, if you can't find 11 minutes, you know what I mean, to, to do that. I think we can. If there are days when you don't, Okay, then you're bumped up to 22 the next day and 33 no, the next not. day. No, you're not. If you're not bumped up to 22. If you're going to complete the plan. But what I found that was interesting. Okay, what side are you on? Minutes. If you're on my side, okay, you're going to have to catch up. If you're on her side, you do the hearts. That's okay, right? Different personalities. But what I'm saying is it was shocking to me that it's only 11 minutes. You know, it's only 11 minutes. And so we can get through the entire Bible in one year. So I thought that was interesting. So I'm the girl who likes to read Psalm 103. And then I like to go back to... Uh, Psalm 70, gosh, I forget which one. Mike, what Psalm was it that I gave? 60, 
37. Psalm 37. Do that one over. And so I will read the word for like 40 minutes, but I didn't read the box. And that box will just plague me. It's like I was in the word today, but not, I, I didn't do that. So, oh, I just put a heart over it. Just cover it with love. This is fun. Okay, um, we're going to move on. If you are new here, if this is your first time, welcome. We are happy to have you. We're happy to worship together with you. Um, if you are willing and want to, you could go ahead and send an email to info at ecfchurch.org and say, hey, this is Sally, and I was at service, and it was great to be there. Or, hey, I'm Sally, and it wasn't great to be there. But then we would know that you were here, first name, last name, and we would just um, just be able to have a contact with you. Um, so I encourage you to do that. If you have prayer requests, praise reports, or testimonies, those go to prayer at ecfchurch.org, and it is our privilege to pray for you and with you, and that is all I have. Okay. Okay. Great. A little tag team announcement this morning. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to pray over our tithes and offerings uh, this morning. Uh, and again, if you didn't have a chance to bring it up here, there's a <clears throat> box on the left on the way out. Uh, here's a scripture I have for us today, Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Amen? Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. And some of the challenges, it's not, I'm not teaching a financial course right now, but what I would challenge some of you, or all of us, and I challenge myself with this all the time, is to just do an inventory of where your heart is. And you say, how do I know where my heart is financially? Take a look at your bank statement. What do you mean take a look at your bank statement? Well, you can actually do an inventory of your bank statement, and if you look at it and read it just objectively, it begins to show you where your priorities are. It begins to reveal to you what is important in your life. And if you look at mine, which I'm not showing you, I have a large family. And so, first of all, you know, tithing and then above and beyond the tithe is what, what we do personally. But food is a very big one. And food is important to us. And healthy food is very important to us. And we believe that there's a lot of health in your eating and there's a lot of ways that we can actually avoid a lot of things when we eat healthy. This is not a message on finances. It's not a message on healthy eating. What I'm saying is, is what the message is, is you can look at your bank statement and you can have an understanding of where your heart is when it comes to finances. What are you believing in? What are you trusting in? And where are you putting your money and your finances? And so I just want to pray over our offering today and just encourage each of you to have that reflection. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we can trust in you with all that we are, with every single area of our life. Father, we just thank you for every person that gives and uh, ties and offerings and for missions, Lord. We just pray over each missionary that we support, each ministry that is going out there uh, and just sharing the gospel message and feeding the hungry, Lord. We just pray a blessing over each one of those ministries. And Father, we just ask you continue to multiply so that we can be a distribution center for you. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we will be debt-free in Jesus' name, and that you will pay all our bills, and they will be paid off in Jesus' name. And Father, as I begin to share what you have put on my heart for this week, Lord, I just pray that you will just penetrate our hearts with truth of your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, turn with me to Micah chapter 6. 
Micah chapter 6. Now, we've been in a series uh, called uh, Micah is in uh, one of the uh, minor prophets. It's in the back of the Old Testament, uh, getting towards the New Testament. And what we've been doing is a series on the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking through um, all the different, what I call them as job responsibilities of the Holy Spirit. And there are some things that you can read from Scripture, and we broke it down into four major categories of job description that we had seen, or we can see in the Word. And the first one was, he points us to Christ. He points us to Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Number two, he leads us, teaches us, and guides us to be like Christ. So not only does he point us to Christ, but then he helps us to be like Christ. And number three, he empowers us to do the work of Christ, for we are his hands and feet. And we spend quite a few weeks there talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And the fourth one that I said many weeks ago, and we just haven't got to yet, is number four is he points us to justice on behalf of Christ. He points us to justice on behalf of Christ. And you're saying, okay, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? What does this mean? So let's read something in Micah 6. And I want to start in verse 6, and I'm going to read down through verse 8. And then we're going to flip over to John chapter 4, and I want to read a story out of John chapter 4. And my intention this morning, my intention this morning is, uh, as we're getting close, I don't know if we'll wrap up uh, the Holy Spirit series this week or next, uh, we are getting ready to go into the next series, uh, which is going to be kind of Erie Christian Fellowship Church in the last days. I'm going to do some teaching on biblical prophecy in the last days and some of the things that are going on, even in our world today, that's actually pointing to some of the things that are happening. And, okay, I'm totally sidetracking here, but, you know, what's interesting is, is I have been off of the news. I think I've mentioned this a couple times, right? I've been totally off the news. I'm not really watching the news. I'm not paying attention to it. But somehow the important news seems to find me. The important news seems to find me. And one of the pieces of information, of a certain piece of information that came and found me was through a friend of ours, and it was talking about what's going on in Turkey. And I honestly, I can't even tell you if the news is, being, is covering what's going on in Turkey. I have no idea if like Fox News is just like, hey everybody, look over here what's going on in Turkey, or if they're just talking completely about what we opened the service with and have been talking about, and everything else about defunding police and all this other stuff, if that's what they're talking about. What the problem is, is they're probably missing the most important piece of news and information that's actually happening in the world around us, but that nobody's telling anybody. Nobody's actually telling anybody. And so, from my perspective, is I need to tell you. You can find all you want out about COVID. I'm not here to tell you about COVID. What I am here to tell you about the Bible and the biblical prophecies that are literally happening right in front of us, yet nobody's really talking about it. And we really have defensive time. And we really need to begin as a church to begin to open our eyes and open our understanding as to what's happening. So that whole series is going to focus on that. But just a little bit of a teaser. Turkey's president, whose last name is Erdogan, is openly calling for what he is called or what is actually known in history as the caliphate. 
He's opening confidence. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is what we're going to be working on over the next couple weeks and next couple months because it is a very important thing. What the caliphate actually is, it's, it's the calling for the reassembling of the Islamic State. I mean, and, and from, a, from Turkey's perspective, we always have seen Turkey as an ally, and we think, well, you know, they're part of NATO, they're part of this, they're part of that. But if we don't understand what their president is positioning, openly positioning to do, this is not like, like hidden news. I mean, he is actually recorded saying these things. Is His goal, basically, is to create a powerful Islamic state that will eventually go and destroy the Jews. Guys, this is happening. This is happening in the world today. And if you look, it's just like, well, should we be concerned about this? Should we be aware of this? The biblical prophecies say that this is what's going to happen. The biblical prophecies say that these things, these things are going to begin to happen. And there are so many parallels in our history between different things that are happening 100 years ago that are happening today. And the enemy is also at work. We have to understand, yes, God is working, but the enemy is also working as well. And there's so many things going on from a geopolitical perspective that's happening. But the interesting thing, and I was watching something on this, we are like racing towards the intersection of biblical prophecy, actual things that are happening, prophecies that are in the Quran from an Islamic, from, a, you know, from that perspective as well. It's all coming together. And we need to be aware and know what that is. And I think the challenge is, as the church and as Americans, we've been distracted by what's going on just in our home country. And there's more things going on than just that. Again, just a little, whet your appetite for what's coming over the next couple weeks and couple months. I don't think I'm starting next week, but I will be starting soon after that. I really think we need to get into it and begin to understand the importance of it. Uh, I'm not saying that the president of Turkey is the Antichrist. Uh, Actually, I don't know. I'm not making that judgment one way or the other. But what I am saying is there's stuff that is happening that's in the Bible, and it's happening right in front of us, and you need to just be aware of it and understand what does it mean and then have a reflection of what do I do with this information. What am I supposed to do with this now that I have an understanding and know? Amen? Okay, Micah 6. Wow, total sidetrack. Micah 6. I'm going to start in verse 6. And let me just give you kind of the, uh, the scope of Micah. Uh, if you look at the whole book in general, there's a lot of different things that are going on. But in the section we're reading from contextual, uh, there is what we'll call is a scene that's occurring Uh, There's judgment and restoration that will inspire fear and hope. These ideas are wrapped up in the final sequence of Micah's prophecy. It's almost like we're we're sitting in a courtroom. All right, it's like we're in a courtroom right now. As I read this, I want you to think. Like we're sitting in a courtroom scene, and God's people are standing trial before their creator. Okay? So like, if you're in a courtroom scene, and you're standing in front of God Almighty, our creator, do you kind of want to know what he's going to say? Right? You would think, it'd be like, you know, it'd be kind of important, I want to know, like, during this scene when this happens, what is he going to say to me? And so it opens up with some questions that are being asked. It says, with what shall I come before the Lord? This is verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? 10,000 rivers of oil? Like, you know, all the stuff that I... Is this what's going to make him pleased? Is this what's going to make the Lord excited when I meet him? Shall I give my firstborn... 
Oh my gosh, everyone's like, it gets real quiet. Should I give my first, wait a second, you're not telling me I gotta give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. No. Verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Three things. Look at this. Three things. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. And so what I want to begin to paint as a picture for you today is what does this justice really mean? What does this loving mercy really mean? And what does this humility mean? And the exciting thing is what it means is actually it's like this intersection of the fruit of the Spirit along with the intersection of the gifts of the Spirit and all of the workings of the Holy Spirit working together in one scripture to empower us to be able to do justice, to be able to love mercy, and to be able to uh, live humbly. So the first one, do justice. What, what does the Bible mean here when it's talking about justice? Justice here does not just mean punishment for injustice. God's type of justice is not the type of justice that many of us think of when we think of, like, okay, we think the criminal justice system. Yeah? We think, well, justice is tied to criminal. But the God type of justice, listen to this, the God type of justice leads us towards righteousness. The God type of justice leads us to working towards peace, or what the Bible calls shalom, or fullness, or wholeness. In fact, we talked about this earlier today. God's ultimate goal of justice for you and for his people and for those around you is leading them to righteousness, not to punishment, not to anger, not to all. His goal for actual justice is actually righteousness. I'm going to give you this comment, and this was, okay, this was, I stole this. Ooh, shame on me. I stole a saying. I'm not taking any credit for this. I stole this from a church who stole it from somebody else. I don't know where they got it, but I want you to hear this this phrase, and I think it's really important. Inequality, listen to me, inequality requires a civil rights movement. Iniquity requires a civil righteousness movement. And that is what we, as Christians and as a church, truly need to keep our eyes focused on. I'm not saying that there aren't any causes that the Lord has inspired you for to go after, but our ultimate goal is to bring God's righteousness, his peace, his type of justice, not the justice we want to administer in our flesh, but his righteous, righteous justice. When we're doing this, when we're working to do this, are we are willing to work toward the flourishing of others. This type of justice reflects God's character. It gives people dignity and value because you know what? God created them. God created them. The ultimate goal is to bring people to righteousness, but what God does is he brings this grace, and what he did is he did it on a cross. He did it on the cross for you and for me. How do we do this? What does it look like? How do we do justice? I believe the rest of this scripture verse begins to show us. 
exactly what it looks like. And let me tell you real quick what it doesn't look like. There's a story I have as when Anna was young. I'm sorry, Anna, I'm calling her out. I shouldn't have said who it was. One of my daughters, pretend, re, rewind. <clears throat> I didn't say anybody's name. One of my daughters, when they were young, we went to, I don't know where we went to get a milkshake. And we, it was the first time that this young lady ever had a milkshake. She was pretty young. She was a year and a half old. And we were driving down the street and, and we were, you know, we were sharing the milkshake. And we passed the milkshake back to this young lady. Well, guess what? When that one-and-a-half-year-old got a hold of the chocolate milkshake or whatever it is, she had it like this. Like, she is sucking this thing down. And, I mean, she's doing it fast. And I'm just like, I'm driving, okay? Now, I'm driving going, whoa, 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 whoa. There is injustice happening in this car right now. <clears throat> injustice going on. And so my response is to not do anything other than start swinging my hand back here, going, trying to reach the child, right? She's sitting behind me, so Liz can't reach her, right? I'm going this way. I'm going, I am swinging and swatting, trying to bring justice to this situation. I am completely out of control, right? I am upset. I was like, I love that chocolate milkshake. I want to have some of that chocolate milk. She's going to drink it all. And honestly, I, I'm not, I don't want to make light of how we approach justice in our world and when we see injustice. But you know what? A lot of times, this is how we react. We just start swinging and flailing and yelling and saying all these other things that we don't even know if that's what God wants us to say. But we are just reacting to a situation. We want justice and we want it now. And I'm willing to swerve off the road to try to get my milkshake. You're like, Jason, what's wrong with you? You know, well, I, I, was oper- I wasn't operating in the gifts of the Spirit right there. I wasn't operating in the fruit of the Spirit. Those were not in operation in my life at the moment. And every, all of us, we have our moments, okay? Yes, I have my moments. Now, if you would ask me, you know, do I still swing, you know, however many years later when someone's sucking down a milkshake? No, I just don't give milkshakes. Okay? There's easy ways to solve some of our challenges, some of our problems. And if they have a milkshake, it's going to be their own because I want mine. Anyway, I'm just saying. Okay, so think about that from a, from a justice perspective. Is if, but if we begin to see justice as God sees it, and it's a movement towards people to get to righteousness, it begins to change how we act or how we try to administer this justice. So the second one, if you looked at Micah 6, was to love mercy. How do we bring justice? We have to love mercy. We have to be in loving kindness to one another. This this thing that we just begin to react and spout and start yelling, do you think that that's going to hit that person's heart and be like, oh, mm, you're right. That's right, exactly. Do you think Anna stopped sucking on that milkshake when I was swinging? Heck no. She was like, I don't have much time left, right? <laughs> she said, like, I don't know if the car is going to stop. I don't know what kind of time, but she is just taking it down the milkshake. And that's how most people are going to respond or react when we are looking to do justice, when we come at them swinging. They become defensive and they put their walls up. But if we come at them as God is instructing us to, we have to do justice, church. We have to, lead, we have to be able to understand and to bring righteousness, right? Well, he brings the righteousness, but we have to point people to him. 
We have to point people to him. And how do we do it? We do that with loving mercy. It's also called kindness. If you look in the Bible uh, and if you begin to look at the original words, kindness is acting and speaking in such a way so that the dignity of another is assured and the same mercy God extended to me is extended to them. Man, is that a definition of the fruit of the Spirit or what? Acting and speaking in such a way so that the dignity of another is assured and the same mercy God extended to me is being extended to them. And if you look at this, you begin to think, reflect back on the previous weeks, this is like the fruit of the Spirit occurring right here. So we talked last week about how do we walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to go through that again. But if we want to do justice in our world, we want to point people towards Christ, we have to be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. You see this? Love, mercy. I believe kindness, this, this, this word kindness, if you look, it's where like the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit all intersect because we're doing it with compassion. You looked at Jesus when he did miracles, he was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That is like this beautiful way of seeing the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit coming together and having imperfect operation as we can see in Jesus' life. Because I believe that when Jesus enters into a situation and begins to bring righteousness, when that power comes, lives are changed. When lives are changed, families are changed. When families are changed, cities are changed. When cities are changed, nations are changed. The last thing God instructs us here to do is to walk humbly. To walk humbly. Over and over in the Bible says that God resists the proud. 1 Peter 5, I don't think I have this up there, but 1 Peter 5, let me just read this starting in verse 5. You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to the proud. He's opposed, but gives grace to the humble. And what does he say to do? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. If, if, we, if we do not do justice in bringing righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit in humility, it's going to lose its effectiveness. It's going to lose its effectiveness. The end of the day, it's about a heart change. The end of the day, it's about a heart change, turning people's hearts towards him. Let's go to John chapter 4 with me. I want to read a majority of this chapter. And then I'll have uh, Jake come up and we'll just pray and we'll close. John chapter 4. And as I was reading this, as I was looking at it, this doing justice with loving mercy in humility, Jesus absolutely does that in this situation. And I want to show you what the effect of that is. What the effect of doing this justice in this way, in this manner, what begins to happen? Starting in, starting in verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard about Jesus and baptized more disciples than John, verse 2, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through 
Samaria. Okay, I don't have a map for you up here, but if you want to look from a geological perspective, or geography, I guess would be the right word, the right perspective, is he left Judea, which is down here. He was going to Galilee up here. He had to go through Samaria right here. And it says that he he had to go through. Do you know that he did not have to go through? There were a route that the Jews took a lot of times because they wanted to avoid Samaria. That if you cross the river, the Jordan River, and you go north, and then you can cross back, you can avoid going through this way. But the interesting thing is it says, no, I, he had to go through. The Holy Spirit compelled him, <clears throat> compelled Jesus to go through. To actually go through Samaria. You're like, well, why would, why would that happen? Let's continue to read. Verse 5. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. He went to the place where he knew he had to be. And he positioned himself in humility. Now look, I know he was tired. But what he didn't do was get up on the well and start yelling at everybody who was out there, you're a sinner. You're Now, if you're a street preacher, okay, we can have a different discussion about that. I'm talking about where the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit come interact to do justice in our community and in the places where God has placed us, okay? This is what we're talking about here. He positioned himself in humility. He was tired, but he didn't get up on what do we call the soapbox and preach. The fruit of the Spirit was evidence in his life, even though he was tired, even though he was thirsty. Church, can we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, even when we're hungry, and even when we're tired, and even when we're thirsty? My family would probably beg to differ in my life. Dad, why are you, so, are you hangry again? Right? We use that, word, that phrase. It's funny. Like, you're hungry and angry at the same time. But look at Jesus... He wasn't lashing out. He wasn't upset. He positioned himself to be where the Holy Spirit was leading him. Verse 7, the woman of Samaria, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Jesus' ultimate goal here was righteousness. And watch this. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan, a woman. For the Jews have no dealings with us. So Jesus is breaking some of the rules here. He's breaking the rules. Whose rules? The rules that were put in place, these arbitrary rules that were put out there, these weren't arbitrary, there was reasons why these rules were in place. But Jesus said, you know what? Righteousness, the soul of this person, the eternal place of this person is more important right now. And he began to say, you know what? I'm a man, you're a woman, I shouldn't be talking to you. I'm a Jew, you're a Samaritan, I shouldn't be talking to you. But he throws those out at the moment. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Notice what Jesus does. He doesn't address her sin. Not yet. He is bringing 
righteous. He's going, you're going to see, he is going to bring righteousness to this woman's life, completely change her life, ultimately change the entire city. But what does he do first? He doesn't call out her sin first. He points her to God. He points her to God. So when we want to do justice in our life, our very first priority is to say, am I pointing to God? Am I having the fruit of the Spirit in my life that I am pointing and walking humbly in this situation? I love how he answered. You begin this with living water. Verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered again and said, verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Amen? We are going to be thirsty if we are drinking from anything else but his living water. We are going to be thirsty. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're saying, I've never tasted that water of the goodness, I want you to come see me afterwards. And I want to show you and show you the scriptures and talk to you about the living water that can come and only come from him. But the water that I shall give you, give him, will become in him, look at this, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Still hasn't addressed the sin still hasn't called her out, still hasn't used any of the gifts, or uh, yeah, the gifts of the Spirit, a word of knowledge, which is still coming. He is pointing first to God. And in our lives, we have to be first pointing to God. She says, sir, give me this water. Please give this water to me that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus says to her this, now he pulls out, the word of knowledge. He is pointing them to righteousness. He is pointing her to God. And then he uses this gift of the Spirit. He says to her, go, excuse me, call your husband and come here. The woman answered said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said well, I have no husband, for I've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. He, Jesus, points to God. And only then does he begin to talk about the issues and sins in their life. You know, so many times, I don't know who said it, but there's this phrase out there that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's not a biblical saying, but it has biblical foundations if you look at this. We may know a lot of things, but if we don't do these things with loving mercy, with kindness, and in humility... We ultimately don't get to the heart change and help that person get to a relationship with God and to ultimate righteousness with him by doing it in a different way. 
I'm going to skip down to verse 39 and close it out here. Jake, if you want to come up. So he gets her attention big time by saying this. She says, well, just in verse 19, I perceive that you're a prophet. You go down to 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you'll neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. It says in verse 20, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am Look at this beautiful representation. He comes with humility. He comes with loving kindness. He points people to God. Then he begins to use the gifts of the Spirit in order to begin to illuminate. And he reveals Jesus himself to her. In verse 39, it says, I love this. So what is the result when this is our posture and our positioning of doing justice, which is leading towards righteousness, is this. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Look what ended up happening. He reached that one person with the love of God, with humility, using the power of the Holy Spirit in operation through him. One. The woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Last scripture in 42. And they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know, we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. If we want to show Christ to this world, we want to see justice happen in this world, we have to do it through the power of of the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As Micah commanded us in that courtroom scene, do the justice. Do it. Don't avoid it. Do the justice. But do it with loving mercy and in humility. Let's bow our heads today. Father, we just thank you for this somewhat of a sobering message is a reminder to us. When we meet you face to face, what that discussion is going to begin to look like. You're going to ask us some of these questions if we did justice, but did we do it? Did we point people to righteousness with loving mercy and in humility? Father, I thank you for your word. 
thank you that it penetrates our hearts, that it changes our lives. Father, I thank you for sending your son. Thank you for his life and the example that we can learn from on how to walk with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the fruit and in the gifts, and to see that when the fruit and the gifts are in operation together, lives are changed. Lives are changed. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, I just pray for our church. With so much going on in the world and so many distractions, that we would be a church that can minimize distractions, that can focus on your word, that can effectively do justice where you have placed us. Father, strengthen us through your Holy Spirit with the fruit and the gifts that we can point people to you, which is the ultimate form of justice because it is truly righteousness. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, guys, so I've got some prayer team coming up here. If the prayer teams want to come up here. Uh, as we close, I know it's a little after 12. That seems to be standard operating procedure now. Right around noon is when we finish up. If you have any need in your life and you want someone to pray with you on, please don't rush out of here. Come up here and these, these guys will pray for you. If you've never made Jesus... Lord of your life or there's something going on that I said or the Holy Spirit is urging you to come up to get prayer or to have a relationship with Jesus, come up here and I'll be here in the front as well. We want to pray with you. I don't want another day to go past where we don't pray in agreement with you and help you to understand God's loving mercy, his kindness and his goodness to you and what he did. Amen? Amen. Let me read this scripture as we close. Benediction here says, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who had loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week, and please come up here and get some prayer if you need.